welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast. On our podcast, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical principles that empower all people with real-life, timeless applications. I am your host, Bible teacher, Yolanda Tyler. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We are blessed to have a very special guest on our podcast. Her name is Minister Shaharel Fry. She is one of God's beautiful, faithful servants. I recently heard Minister Fry share on a panel discussion at a local women's conference. She is a tremendous blessing to the body of Christ. She has a powerful ministry and testimony. I am so honored that Minister Fry could join us today. Minister Shaharel Fry was born and raised in Navasota, Texas. She was raised in a loving Christian home. She is the oldest of three girls. She remembers attending church and Sunday school regularly. Minister Fry served in the youth choir, and one of her favorite hymns is Blessed Assurance. Minister Fry serves under the leadership of Pastor Rolando West at the Fountain of Faith Church, and she has a nursing home ministry. Minister Fry is a writer and is the author of the book, a widow at 45 until death do us part. Minister Fry met the love of her life, Minister George Emmanuel Fry, at the age of 16. They have one daughter, Lashandralyn, and four beautiful grandchildren. They dated for six months and then got married. She describes her life with George as real. It was very loving at times, and it was very challenging at times. They were married for 28 years, and the Lord taught her and helped her to accept the bitter with the sweet. One Sunday afternoon, George was faced with his first health challenge. He had a stroke and a heart attack. Two years thereafter, he started developing flu-like symptoms. After extensive tests and x-rays, he was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. Minister Fry's life has never been the same, and she is here to share with us on today. Thank you so much for joining us, Minister Fry, and just go ahead and share with the listening audience. Thank you so much for having me today, and I just want to share a little bit with you all. I married my husband at a young age. I was 17 years old when we got married, and we had a good marriage, but it was bittersweet. Sometimes we had good times, sometimes we had bad times, and that's marriage in general. When you're getting married, we know that there are going to be some good times, and there are going to be some bad times. But even though we go through things, that doesn't mean that we should leave our spouse. And so I'm not encouraging anyone to stay with anybody that is being abusive to them or anything like that. But I just say, take your wedding vows very seriously. I wrote in the book, a uh, part about forgiveness. 
we were at the hospital one day. My husband was experiencing some flu-like symptoms, and we thought he might have had the flu or pneumonia or something like that. And we took him to the doctor. He had gone to the doctor. And the doctor told him that she was going to send him to St. Joseph Regional Hospital in Bryan because he, his lungs, when she did the x-ray, she saw something. But she wanted to be for sure. And so when we got there, the doctor did an x-ray up there and they did some tests on him. And it came back that he did have small cell lung cancer. And as I recently stated, in our marriage, we had some very loving times and we had some challenging times. But when that diagnosis came back for small cell lung cancer, it just kind of wiped away anything that had happened in the past. Because at this point, you're no longer thinking about what you've gone through. You're thinking about what's about to happen. And so I feel like it, it, when the love is real and the love is true, God is going to see us through it all. You know, and, and, and if there's real true love there, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It, what really counts on is how you handle the challenges of life. When your love is real and you love like God loved, you don't worry about the past. You look for the future. You want to see the best for your loved one. You want to make sure that they're taken care of. And that's how it was with me. You know, I just felt like he might have done some things. I might have done some things. But all that was wiped out the door. Minister mm -hmm. Fry. So in the book, you talk about you had an overpowering sensation of compassion and also a spirit of forgiveness after the diagnosis and you started praying for him. So talk mm -hmm. about how the Lord showed you even more compassion and how you actually saw forgiveness from a different standpoint after the diagnosis. When the diagnosis came through and I, it just like my heart just dropped and it, I felt like he's not going to be here long. It was like it, reality really set in and I always believed in praying for everything. And well, when something goes on, I feel like prayer is the first alternative. Before you do anything else, you pray. You seek God in it. Amen. And I knew that if any change was going to come, that if, if any healing would come through, it would have to come through God. Because, you know, I don't put my trust in man a lot. And especially when it comes to medical issues because I feel like God always has the final say so and so I began to pray for him and he did go through chemo he, he went through radiation and it, he did it for so long and then he finally just got tired there again when he decided he wasn't going to do it anymore it kind of like it hit me again you know this is real and sooner or later something is going to change you know and it's not going to be to me, it's not going to be good, but for him, it's going to be good. I remember that last night, pretty much before he passed, he was taking his last breaths. And I asked my brother-in-law, I said, well, you think I had put him on hospice? I said, you think I should take him off hospice so that um, I can take him to the hospital and maybe they could give him something intravenously because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't eating at that time. And I remember my brother-in-law telling me, yeah, you could do that. He said, but if you really think about it, that would be kind of selfish because you were trying to keep him here for us. But then 
we're prolonging his pain and his agony. And so that's, you know, that's when, you know, even more compassion came in because I had to think of no matter how hard it was going to be, this is what was best for him, you know, so. Wow, that's awesome. So yeah. you had an overpowering sensation yeah. of compassion as you were yes. going through it. And then yes. after he passed, you talked about how you had a hard grief because you still loved him. And then you said something in the book that I thought was really, really powerful. After about a year of his passing, you said like you felt like you were attending his homegoing services all over again. Tell us a little bit about that. Because I think up until June of 08, I, even after he passed, I went back to work. And about June, I can't remember the exact date in June, but it was the first time that I was at home. I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have anything really to do. And it's like reality set in again. You know, I knew I had had the funeral. I knew we had buried him. But and it, I didn't have time to really think on it. And so when I when I had a summer vacation, then it was like, this is real, you know. He's really gone. He's really not coming back. And this is really like I'm starting a new life. It's like what I probably would have done if I hadn't married so early. Usually people will finish high school. And then if they're going to go to college, they go to college. And from there... They find a maid and normally marry. But because I did it in reverse order, it felt like now that he had passed away, I was going back to the part that I had missed of being on my own. I never was on my own because he was there when I got out, when I graduated high school. All the things that I did in high school, pretty much he was there for. And so this was like me finding me all over again. Wow, we that's had, awesome. So it's uh -huh. like you were single uh -huh. when you should have been married, and you were uh -huh. married when single people were single. That's exactly Usually. right. So uh -huh. then as time progressed, and you realized that, okay, this is real, my husband is not coming back again. Talk about some of the things that you did spiritually to stay strong during that time. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of fasting. And I always tried to stay in the church. I, you know, the church was my strength. The Lord was my strength. You know, I did a lot of praying because there were some moments that, and, you know, just all of a sudden out of the blue, it might hit you, you know. And, it, and to, even today, sometimes it still does that for me. I can be doing something and it's just out of the blue. Usually maybe like a certain time of the year around the holidays and around our birthdays. And, and then like Valentine's Day sometime because he actually passed the night right after Valentine's Day. When you say mm -hmm. something hits you, you're referring the, to the grief, correct? Uh -huh, the, the grief reality, it sets in. And so I remember the day before he passed away. He couldn't talk. It was Valentine's Day. But when I would pass by the door to the bedroom, it was open and he could see me. And he would he couldn't speak to me, but he would wave. Like he was acknowledging that he saw me. But like, too, he realized that he was leaving. Wow, that is mm -hmm. awesome. Now, Minister Fry, you mentioned about the birthdays, the holidays, the anniversaries. When you started adjusting to your new lifestyle, 
were those the hardest times to adjust? And I think you mentioned something about an emptiness and a hole that you had on the inside. Talk about that. It was. It was very awkward because you could be around family members or if there were other social events going on. And some actually someone had invited me to a social event that wasn't family. And I remember telling them, I don't think I'll be able to make that because I didn't have a spouse anymore. And I felt very uncomfortable. I felt lost and like, it, you know, I just didn't know how to handle that. And I, I told her I didn't think I would be able to make it. And actually, when you do lose a spouse or you may, may not be a spouse, but a loved one. So I did feel an emptiness when he passed away. It was like there was a whole uh, void there. And that kind of hole of emptiness only God can feel. So the grief process, I'm going to say it's real. I remember at one point I used to walk a lot and I was losing a lot of weight. And my mom told me, she said, you need to start walking so much. She said, because you're, you're losing too much weight. And I actually, I don't feel like it was the walking that was making me lose all the weight. I think it was the grief process that I was going through because a few, maybe like a year or so later, I did kind of slow down on it a little bit, but also in the midst of that, I was, I felt like I was healing spiritually from the grief. And so I could see myself coming back alive, you know, because when that's, when your spouse passed away, it's like a part of you's gone with them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the word tells us that we're no more twain. We're not two anymore. We're one when we get married. So you look for that when one, when one spouse leaves, it leaves uh, emptiness for the other one. Is like a part of you goes with them. So it's like I was finding myself. And to find myself, it took a lot of praying. It took a lot of fasting. And it just took a lot of, you know, putting God, letting God. Like I was, in one part, I talk about let God be God. You just have to let God in and just let him just minister to you and listen to his voice because at some points, it's like you just really don't know what to do. You don't mm-hmm. know. You don't really want to be around other people because you're used to that mate being there with you and you feel all alone. And so God has to step in and you really have to let him step in and kind of just minister to your spirit and kind of fill your heart with his words. And It's a process. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes time, you know. And so everybody's time is different. It might take some longer than it takes others, but let God do what he needs to do so that you can get the proper healing. Amen. So now let me ask you this. You did mention about in the book that knowing God is different from letting God be God in your life. So Mm -hmm. when you speak to that, you're speaking to releasing and surrendering that situation and your widowhood to the Lord. And I guess Mm -hmm. at that point, you learn to trust and lean and to depend on the Lord to get you through, correct? Yes, Uh, because before he passed away, two of us, and I had to get used to what I was doing for two, I'm now doing for one. You know, I even talked about even just something simple as going grocery shopping. I would be used to going to buy a bill of groceries and cooking for both of us. And after he passed away, I found myself still going to the store, buying a bill of groceries 
but it was just me. And a lot of times I would have it there, but I never used it. But it was just because I was in the habit and the routine of doing it. And so I finally looked at it's just better for me to go and buy what I'm going to need for me. And then, you know, keep just a little something around just so I would have enough, you know, if something did come up, then I needed to go in the refrigerator for something or the freezer, I would have it. But it's a big adjustment. The income changed. That's a story all by itself because when you're used to having two incomes come in, then you get accustomed to certain things. But when that income is gone, then you have to realize, okay, you're going to have to change this, you know, where he might have been paying some of the bills. You have to now take on that responsibility of learning how to pay the bills and doing certain things around the house. I have a car. The car has to be maintained. So I had to get used to, okay, I got to go get my oil changed. I have to, you know, it's just certain little simple things that you have to readjust to as well. Amen. Now talk about the church as far as you were a member of your father-in-law's church. And you mentioned that after about two or three years, the Lord led you to move your membership. So talk about how you felt that that was definitely the Lord's leading. Because one Sunday I was going in church and it looked, it just hit in my spirit that he was used to seeing both of us come to church. And I, you know, I always looked at my part of the grief process, but I really didn't think about it until I talked to my sister-in-law and I mentioned to her that in my spirit, I felt God was telling me that it was hard on my father-in-law to see me come into church without my husband because he was used to both of us coming together. And she told me, she said, it sure had to be the Lord to tell you that because you could look at him in his eyes and you could see you know that there was a hurt he was grieving as well and you could tell his spirit had changed and he always wanted to use that scripture where G uh, God said that Jesus was his beloved son and whom he was well pleased and he would use that a lot of times when he was talking about my husband he would say my beloved son you know and he would always take uh, great joy in the, the matter the, that he used the word Emmanuel out of the Bible for my husband's middle name. He said, I chose that specifically for myself because it meant God is with us. But when the spirit began to move on me to find another church home for that purpose, it was, you know, like God was showing me. He showed me even where to go. And he showed me where I am now, but like we do sometimes, I didn't go right at first to that church where God had showed me. But when I did go, it was like when the pastor opened the doors of the church, it was like the chair was just calling me, you know, and I couldn't just sit there because when God speaks and he wants you to do something, he has a certain way to get your attention whether you adhere to it or not. But I'm one that when something, when it starts weighing down on me and I know it's God, I have to move. So that's how I ended up at Fountain of Faith. Awesome. So now you're mm-hmm. moving on with your life and you said that you were still holding on to your husband and that you were almost building a shrine of his memory and living your life through him. Talk about that a little in an as far as people who might have a shrine of a deceased loved one built up? 
at first you don't really think that's what you're doing. I remember my husband worked at the steel plant across from our home and he would go every day to work and he could jump the fence and come home for dinner in the evening and go back. And when he passed away, he still had a helmet. He had some boots. He had goggles. He had some things from that job. And I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to put this up. I'm setting it up just because I'm thinking this is just something to remind me of him. But I, I didn't think about it till really I was listening to a message one day. And the pastor mentioned about building a shrine. And I thought about it and it hit in my spirit. And that's how I knew that I was meaning it for one thing. But what I was really doing was kind of just worshiping and just praising, not letting go of him, you know, just holding holding on. And, I, it was, and that's one of the reasons why it was so hard to move forward because I was not, you know, I was trying to hold on some, to some things that I should have let go of. And so... When it happened, I told my son-in-law, and he began to work at one of those plants. I said, here, you take this, you know, and I tore it down because we feel like when we're doing that, that we're keeping them close to us. But what we're really doing sometimes is making it hard for us to grieve properly or to release them so that we can release ourselves. Because the more that we hold on to them, the more it is, the harder it is for us to really find ourselves and to make that that change or that transition without them. They transition and leave, but we have to transition to stay without them. Amen. That is beautiful. Now, let me ask you this. So after a while, when you were really ready to let go, you mentioned that you had a dream about your husband. Tell us about that dream. It was like we were together, like on a picnic or something. And this was after he had passed. And at the end of the dream, it was like I was there with him. And he was fixing to go. And I was trying to stay. And he told me, no, you have to go back. So it was like, to me, that was God's way of showing me that it was time for me to move on and let him go. It's like in the end, we embraced with a hug. But in that embracing, that was like goodbye, you know, and my sign or my, my, my message from God that, okay, now you need to go on and live your life. Wow. Now, let me ask you another question. So your husband passed in 2008, correct? February of 2008, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now it's going to be, you're approaching what, 15 years? Yes. So share with us. What was the most important lesson that you've learned since you've been a widow? Since I've been a widow, the most important thing I've learned is uh, how to press on without having a significant other. If I had one word to describe it, I would call it challenging because life as you know it has changed. You're trying to go back and rebuild you know, like you should have done from the beginning and you see a different side. Like I said earlier, it's no more what you've done with two is now you're doing it for one. And even in relationship, because since my husband has been uh, deceased, I've had one or two, I thought relationships, but even that you you have to be so careful, you know, because you don't want to get caught up in the way the world does things. And I'm just now to me, after being married, 
and in the church and being and, and even being a woman of God myself now. It's like I look for certain things. Like if I want a mate and want God to send me a mate, I've learned to ask God for certain qualities in that mate because now I know what to look for. When we got married, I loved my husband, but we were young and we and I hadn't experienced this many things in the church in at the you know, in an adult life. Mm-hmm. So now I know what to look for. And so I, I just tell people, you know, that when you're looking let the man find you, but you pray for the man that you want. And let it be where it lines up with what God has for you, you know, because he's not going to make a mistake. He's going to mm-hmm. show you just what you need. And sometimes we look for things to be wrapped a certain way. And if it's not wrapped that certain way, then we think it's not right. But God doesn't always give us the things that we need the way we look for them. So we have to know when it's him showing us we have to know when it's him speaking to us we have to know when he's telling us that's okay and we have to know when he's telling us that's not okay and when he tells us that's not okay we have to be okay with that's not okay because we know he has our best interest at heart absolutely now let me ask you one other question or let me make a statement let's say there are widows who have just gone through the loss of a spouse Hmm. what word would you use to encourage them perseverance because you're going to have to press your way through and the only way you're going to be able to press your way through is you got to have God by your side it's going to be some tough days it's going to be some days that you feel like you don't want to make it that you can't make it I remember one Sunday morning I had to preach at church after my husband passed away And it was like, I just could not even make myself get up out the bed. Like my legs just didn't want to move. And I was praying and I was talking to God. And it took for, it took a minute. When I say a minute, I don't mean like a minute. I mean, it took some hours for me to even be able to get up out the bed so that I could go fulfill what I was supposed to be doing, my obligation to the church, you know. So it's a process, but you have to press your way through. But in the midst of the pressing, you got to make sure you got God by your side because that's where your strength is going to come from. You know, he said in his word that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And so when you're going through, you got to remember that. And then you have to also remember Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And that's what I tell a lot of people now because when they're about to go through that, sometimes it's hard. You feel like you just can't, but we have to stand on God's word he told us that we could you know so you put you persevere and you do that with God by your side amen that is so beautiful so Mm -hmm. let's do this the book that Mm -hmm. you wrote a widow at 45 until death do us part we know that to purchase the book the best place or site to go to is authorhouse.com is that correct yes okay that's Okay, awesome. So we will make that link available to the listeners. And let's okay. say right now, um, is there anything else that you would like to add? I just want to let people know that when you go through a loss, it may feel like the end, but it's not. You know, you're going to have some days that, you know, even maybe months or years after the loss that it may come, you might feel the void or something will happen in the strangest place that you're going to, you know, make you remember that loved one. But 
do it and love and do it for do it love for yourself it's not the end of the world you know it, i just amen. want to encourage you can make it mm-hmm. amen that's powerful mm-hmm. um minister would you please go ahead and close us out in prayer Yes, Father God, we come before you now, Lord, just to say thank you, God, for what our ears have heard on today, God. God, we ask you now that you touch each and every one that's here listening to this podcast, Lord God. I don't know what they've gone through, but you know, Lord God, and I know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God. So whatever it is that we go through, your word tells us to cast all our cares on you because you care for us. So all we got to do is take our burdens to you and just leave them there. So God, we ask you for the strength, Lord God. And I don't know what's going on in the relationship. Ships, Lord God. It may not even be that there's a death, Lord God, but there could be some problems in relationships, Lord God. There could be some family relationships and marital relationships. But God, we know that you are able to fix them all. Lord, we ask that for marriages, God, don't let them throw in the towel, Lord God. Let them seek you, God. And God, we know that in the word it tells us that if the wife is strong, she can she can lift up her husband. If the husband is strong, then he can lift up his wife, Lord God. But we pray, God, that you will keep the marriages together, Lord. Keep families together. We know that it's a rare thing these days. But we know you're able, Lord. And we ask you right now, Lord, just to watch over us all. Keep us and protect us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Amen. Thank you so much, Minister Fry, for joining us today. We appreciate your time and God bless you. And God bless you as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.